Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That is why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And, you know, for the first year of this podcast, um, they didn't give us very many ads. And I was like, well, why is the name still going to be a thing that I didn't want? They've given us ads most weeks out of this year. So I guess it's going to, I'm going to have to stay believing. Man, that just, it feels painful saying that. Anyways, on to this week's amazing guest, um, an astounding sketch group on the rise. Um, We'll redefine this phrase, I think, perhaps. Please give it up. For business casual, everybody. Good to believe here. <laughs> Excited to believe it. Believe yeah. it to believe her. Thank you. Jeremy, you got, a, you got a take? You got one? <laughs> I just said believe it to believe her. I really like that. Okay, I said cool. believe it to believe her. Are you I repeated it? I support your riffs and I am just going to highlight them. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, he's just given a plus one to Corey's believe riff. Uh, those that. are the voices of Corey Peter Lane, Jeremy Elder, and Hunter Sailing, uh, also known as Business Casual, or some <laughs> real, real fun boys. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys truly are a good time. I saw uh business casual the first time, um, standing in an alley while they, they were putting on a show in a garage. Yeah, that's our show, Home Gym, kind of in pandemic times. Uh, Corey sparked the idea that we, we would all host a show in his garage of a kind of a new material night. Mm-hmm. Um, real people, punk rock shit. Yeah, people yeah. liked punk it. Rock. Well, the neighbors didn't like it, which is why it's at a theater now. But yeah, uh, the neighbors hated it and started calling the police on us. Right. They, yeah. No, but they were the coolest Echo Park neighbors were like, they were, they were like, knock it off. They were like, hey, man, like, I love what you're doing. I think it's sick, but, like, but you know, like I had a kid, but you know, like I had a kid, so like uh, we got to keep it down. Yeah. And, and then you said a kid in this world. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Why would you bring a child into the world? This is all your fault. I mean, it's and now you're trying to it's my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, your neighborhood that you've been in for a year and a half. What what I yep. did love about Home Gym being in a garage is that any sketch that you had to do where one of you had to exit stage and then go all the way around to like come back, you actually had to literally go around the block to do that. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, you were there that night. Yeah, we did a sketch where like I disappeared at the beginning of the show and then came back at the end. And like, yeah, I was just waiting in a back alley for like 40 minutes. <laughs> and I immediately spotted you, Jake, while I was back there because yeah. I saw you fully like cowboy fashioned out with your hat and your stick and i was just like that's jake from the comedy bureau yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm not allowed to talk to anyone until i uh slide back on stage in 30 minutes from now but i know who that is (laughs) those are my favorite bits where you commit so hard you're like cool i didn't enjoy the show because i had to stand completely still (laughs) yeah That, that makes me think you guys see the prestige oh i've seen the prestige yeah. We talk prestige? Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like that is a prestige moment where he's like, no, this is this is the show. 
look how he's like coming out of the theater and he's yeah. like yeah right yeah and there are, i'm in the back cutting off my twin brother's finger so that yeah. we we have the same spoilers for the prestige if you haven't seen that 15 year old movie now 15 i mean it's probably 20 at this point <laughs> wow yeah. i mean happy, that's when we when, when we first saw prestige. that movie yeah when we first saw that movie we really thought like how can we bring the spoiler of the prestige into our comedy uh, ethos and our philosophy. And, uh, and I feel that we we've done it and it's, it's good to have that recognized by you. And that's yeah. where we all met. A really weird thing to say, but now it, it's fully formed and I actually really appreciate it. You're so, so welcome. <laughs> yeah. Cause we actually all met at that screening of the prestige too. Yeah. 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 We were all what, we were six years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all individually alone in a screening of the prestige. And right. we all locked eyes and said, we'll do comedy when we meet in 20 years. I, I bet I mean, it was we were nine like, when it came out. You okay. guys all wanted to ask the same question. And then somebody else asked it because you were at a and a screening. And yeah. you were like this. You like all wanted to gang up on the same person because they asked your question. Yeah. So then we at nine years old um, attacked that person and we've been doing comedy together for the last 16 years. Hell yeah. Yeah. We cut our teeth in juvie together and then we really took off once we got to Los Angeles. So as convicted felons that formed a sketch group, why did you call yourselves business casual? We wanted to go in a different direction. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like a little bit too on the nose if we were called. Yeah. Oh, it was a bit on the nose if we were orange jumpsuit fashion. Right, right. Oh, this is like a thing for your PO being like, right. We were like, no, we're yeah, we're gonna wear ties. (laughs) God. And that's it. You're just gonna wear ties. Yeah, that's it. That's the real one. Well, that's kind of in the real life version. That's kind of what happened. We we probably wore ties for the first two years of performing, and then we said this must end. We just had stinky ties and shirts, and we're like, yeah, right. We did that. We went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2019 and we did a, a month run of shows there. And it was like we would wear the same tie every night right. in a show where it was like a hot theater and we were spraying beer and using fake blood. And right. so those those ties were a different color by the end of the Gross. month. I'll tell you what. Of course. You see like those before and after pictures of like uh, in the 90s when people would smoke in front of their computers. Right. And you like open it up and see like the yellowy ass hard drive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but for our ties. Right. May I suggest, because it is a sketch show and you guys are do a lot of absurd comedy, that maybe you should just wear a clip-on tie. Do you know that it's never occurred to us to even buy a clip-on tie? That 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 is truly the first time it, I I never even say, thought of that. I really am just like that's a that's a really smart idea. Legitimately, <laughs> legitimately never had that idea, Jake. <laughs> we've truth we've truthfully been together for seven years performing and not once has anyone suggested it to us or has it occurred to us that we could very well wear clip-on ties well i will we, say we have also like we used to do button-up shirt and tie and like slacks and everything and now we're just kind of like don't dress like a goblin but uh <laughs> we we've stopped the rule of button-up shirt and tie right 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 yeah i'll, I'll carry that on for you guys as i was doing anyway <laughs> Right, yeah. You bring you really bring it back up to a 10, the right. standard of fashion that we try to bring to our shows. Right. I feel like I, well, I think we, we were both in New York in October last year because you guys were doing, I think we were doing shows at Union Hall the same week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I almost lured Hunter into buying an overpriced rodeo shirt. Well, no, because you told me about the rodeo shop in Dumbo to go to, yeah. and I'm yeah. just like, I was like, that's the thing is like you can you can get me excited, and I could get to a store, and then I could get there and realize like, wait a minute, I can't be buying expensive cowboy clothes right now. I'm just gonna be so yeah. So I didn't end up going because I knew I wouldn't be able to afford any of it, and I just didn't want to make myself so sad because then I also would probably. I probably would have dug into the wallet a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and made a, made a not smart purchase for some cowboy gear. Cause you rock it, man. You, right. You right. Cowboy gear, I will man. say if you guys wear it on stage, then you can, you can, uh, you can count it off on your taxes. Expensive. We were uh, in the middle of writing a cowboy show. I don't know how chronologically we'll go with everything, but we, we were in the middle of writing a cowboy show when the pandemic started, we were at the time, the last show, to be in the lyric hyperion in its like previous form right um because we were doing a five-day developmental run and i remember on we did the show monday and tuesday and wednesday and then we had told all of our friends like come thursday and friday and thursday morning i got a call from john norris and before he even said anything i was like hey i'm like hiding in the walk-in freezer at the pizza place that i work at like if you're calling me to tell me the show's canceled, just tell me, like, just, just, just tell me. And he's like, yeah, it's canceled. Um, yeah. It was like pouring rain then too. So like, yeah, I went back to grab all our props and it was just like soaking and it was such like an omen moment. Oh God. I remember that week that lockdown happened. What is, sh- I mean, of course it was shitty, but like, it was like just shit frosting of like, it was pouring horrible rain. Remember that? Yeah. That and then week. Kobe had just died. Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. Kobe Bryant. Right. Yeah. No, not, not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Oh, you're thinking of the other guy. Kobe, Kobe Schwartzberg, the, the rabbi. <laughs> Wait, or do you, do you just have a, an affinity for all the Kobe cows that are used for Kobe beef, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I cry for every Kobe cow that's killed equally <laughs> as I did Kobe yeah. Bryant. <laughs> yeah when when kobe died he goes you know that's just every day kobe's die every day i was the worst that week i was so horrible to everybody <laughs> yeah you really minimized his death at every opportunity that you could yeah <laughs> um i wanted to ask all right so coming out of lockdown i mean i feel like there there's some semblance of like okay this is the new sort of lay of the land but it's not anything at all like what it used to be i mean there used to be plenty of theaters uh where sketch teams could go perform regularly and you could do the rounds or you could try to you know uh kiss the ring at groundlings and try to make it into sunday company whatever have you but you know it's different now and it, it feels like there are some homes and I feel like you guys might have some homes but how are you feeling about sketch comedy well because you guys perform in LA and New York uh and elsewhere how are you feeling about sketch comedy these days I think sketch, sketch comedy is kooky right now I feel like Oftentimes we get booked on shows and I think you even said at the beginning of this podcast, they're just like, oh yeah, we don't get a lot of sketch groups. Like I think just so many were tied to institutions that are gone now mm-hmm. that like I can count on one hand the sketch groups that I kind of see regularly perform. Like we love like Best Actress and Shrimp yeah. Boys and then yeah. like beyond In it, New that, York. What's that? Yeah, La- Ladies Who Ranch in New ladies York. In and- New York, of course. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, like it's, it's just a much more limited pool now. So I think, um, but what I like is because it's not tied as much to institutions. I feel like the people that are doing stuff like sketches getting weirder, which I think it always should be. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting with us, I think, is that we didn't really come out of like a comedy school. Like yeah. we've all taken classes like at different places everywhere, but like we started doing sketch, just the three of us. Uh, and we would rent theaters just to do our show. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, we would start getting because we weren't like at a sketch theater where sketch normally happens. Right. We would try to get booked on like improv shows and stand up shows and bring a sketch to that. Right. Uh, and try to put it in that space right. rather than have the where normally people see sketches like when they're expecting to see it. Like, yeah, you right. mentioned Groundlings or like Second City. Yeah. Um, versus like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> right now I, I think that adaptability is a really great benchmark for sketch groups um we're like you know if you're in a traditional black box that's sort of been like you know perfectly designed for sketch and improv like ucb or second city or any of that or i mean groundlings um where there's like these two or three doors and a few entrances um i think like you just kind of there's like a universality in how you write and put your sketches up that I always like look for and you know I the guy the fact that you guys didn't all go to a class together makes me think of like murder fist and how they just were a bunch of like people who went to the same drug dealer in like they're in college in Florida and then they all started doing sketch comedy together well, it's basically the same thing. We met That's in theater, theater school, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> they were dealing theater education. Um, that was our drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get if, if if we had to pinpoint like one or two like actual theaters, I would say the improv space. Uh, may it rest in peace. Was like our that's like where we did our first shows together. And then they gave us so much latitude as far as like, we had, we had the key code to get into that place. We could rehearse there whenever we wanted. We, they'd let us rent it last minute or planned for like any of the shows that we wanted to do. Wow. Um, what a and, great business model for them. <laughs> I, well, yeah. And then we brought a bunch of young college kids and like yeah. told them to all take classes. And mm -hmm. it was a, uh, it was rad. Like they, that's that, awesome. that definitely is how we were able to like really find, I, I still feel that we're finding our voice, but like early on figure out like what was good for us. Right. It let us feel like professionals too. Cause it was the, it was like a five minute walk. We all went to UCLA and it was like a five minute walk off campus in Westwood. Um, but it was like a 60 seat theater that had nothing to do with any other institution. Um, so we would do like improv shows in, in school classrooms and stuff like that. And like little right. theaters on campus, which was always very nice to do, yeah. but just the feeling of like, it's a building where there's like, we have beer in a cooler and there's yeah. strangers walking by. It yeah. just makes me feel like a little bit more of like, let's take it seriously kind did of thing. Get, did you guys bark people in? Cause I remember I've gone, I went to that space for so many years, even before I actually like was in comedy at all, like a friend of mine um, who did performed at that place when it was called Ultimate Improv. This is right. like 20 years ago. Uh, he like, yeah, he uh, he would bark people in because like, there were students walking by all the time. We definitely tried that sometimes, but then we also would sometimes accidentally get like roving 13 year olds that were just in 
Westwood. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's the pro- there was that problem. There would just be high schoolers trying to like snipe into college parties, right? Because uh, it's Los Angeles, and they there are kids in the city. I guess. Yeah, euphoria is real, guys. Euphoria <laughs> is real, and it was just fifteen-year-olds with scooters trying to steal beer from our coolers and then heckle our shows. <laughs> How old was how old was that kid in that show where I was like flirting with like a sixteen year old or something as a bit? Oh, as damn. a bit, <laughs> as uh, a bit, yeah. I really right your I Seinfeld bit. Time slowed down. I went, "Why are you talking? Why are you saying this right?" Now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid was definitely like 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. like that happened. I remember it was like yeah, an audience interaction bit, and we're like, "Oh, this is not going to work at all." Um, yeah. Yeah, why are you here? You're a child. But then right. the, well, how the, did you get to Westwood? The other theater that I would say, like, definitely, I think that as we like transitioned out of the improv space, um, and then out of college, we started started getting more involved at the Lyric Hyperion as like in its previous form, and that sort of transition also kind of like marked our transition as a group, and like the sort of like shows that you know at the improv space we were doing improv shows for like two and a half maybe three years then we started doing sketch shows Mm -hmm. that became sort of like physical and clowny and as we started transitioning to that we started going to the lyric high period more and getting up there and getting our own shows there um and then we went to the edinburgh fringe which like kind of was our like we were really hoping that that would be the thing that would get the Lyric Hyperion to take us seriously. And it totally did. Like we got home and like they gave us a monthly show yeah. and then, you know, everything went to shit. But, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Cause Phil would listen to the idea that you did the French. So, right. It yeah. just, it just was a very legitimizing factor, but, uh, yeah, those, I would say that those are probably the two, you know, I know a lot of people in the city are like UCB IO. I think that, it's like everything that we touched began to fall apart. We all really wanted, when we turned 21, IO shut down. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, I was in class and I, uh, it shut down on my 21st birthday. So I never even got to see a main stage show there. Wow. And it's still abandoned. Still abandoned. Yeah. And guys, it closed down way before the pandemic. Way, 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 way before. (laughs) It closed down like five years ago at this point. Hunter's still 21. I'm still I've been waiting this whole time. Please let him be free. <laughs> Is this going to be an IMDb thing where like I can't ask her real age? Yeah, cuz uh, I then I'll have to let you know that I'm actually 207. I think what are you what is your routine? Yeah, uh, <laughs> blood and carrots. 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 It's carrots. Yeah. Um I think though that like another like it's not a comedy school, I guess, but just school is the thing that brought us together. Like mm-hmm. literally going to theater school at UCLA. Right. And uh, we, I, I think we'd be liars if uh, we said that that did not influence us. Because uh, just having that training and be around that, like the thinking of always making everything theater all the time, I think does play into a little bit of like the spectacle that we try to do. And the like the show as a living thing is something that we've talked about before. Right. And I think that uh, that like concept comes from a big part of our theater education as well. Right. There is a the- theatricality to you guys' sketches. Oh, I, you broke up. I'm sorry. I stepped on something. No, Hunter is probably doing a big. Breaking Go ahead, up. Do it the- again. 
Yeah, no, I was just diffusing uh, the because I, I said I was talking for like 45 seconds without doing a bit and I felt weird. So I, I had to do like a voice and a stupid little thing to, you know, break it up. You want to unpack that? <laughs> well, when I was two. No, I don't want to unpack that, please. Uh, this for sake stays of the in. Past. <laughs> this stays in. All of it stays in. All, All of it stays in, in baby. Uh, what were you saying before I interrupted you? <laughs> Um, actually, I, what, what I wanted to ask is like, so going from the improv space, then the lyric, and now, you know, the yard. Love the yard. Love yeah. the yard. Melrose Avenue. Oh, Isaac yeah. and Brett. Hunter just yeah. really doxed the yard. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I doxed the comedy theater we want people to go to. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> um how how would you describe your guys's sort of like artistic development like do do you feel like you've gotten sillier or more like precise or like more i mean crazy that's a great question yeah i think coming off of fringe was a big thing of it for us we saw a lot of stuff we really loved there that kind of um yeah, just changed the way we thought about sketch. I think we were doing pretty standard like scripted sketches before. I think once we came back, we really just threw out the scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, we take huge influence from like Tom Walker is a big person that we love. Like all the sound effects we use in the shows. We saw a show where he started kind of playing with that idea and we just tried to take that and make it our own because we think that that's just a fun like theatrical element of the shows. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because not to gas ourselves up too much, but it is It's just like sketch is like the easiest word we found to describe the show that we've been putting on because we like recently we were saying it's clowning but it's not it's like we're very influenced by clowning right um but yeah like uh (laughs) for development too i would say a lot of it comes from us seeing shows together us hanging out a lot together and us just yeah what you said just being silly together and then uh just writing it down and practicing it yeah (laughs) to to answer your question though i definitely feel that over time the precision has gone up like as sort of like catch if catch can like chaotic as our shows may seem like Mm -hmm. we do really know like and, and this is different than i feel like we used to perform we know what we're going out there to do like we have objectives and like we know which beats that we're trying to hit even though it is sort of loose in between each beat Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just improving some of our like choreography and right. like memorization of different bits. Like right. it is a dance uh, yeah. that we get to do with each other on stage. Um, and it, it, it gets both crazier and less crazy because right. we've gone from being like teenagers that were just like, like, let's go out there and just drink four beers and then mm. do some wacky improv. Um, <laughs> oh, so you weren't going to do the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday sketch when year one? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, that year was one not, was not Sunday, was Sunday. was not our vibe. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, is a, it's a bit we do where we say we have to do a radio ad and then we go for like five minutes uh, and it, it's just a radio ad about trucks that gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah, I feel like you got to hit a lot of things in that sketch. It's highly scripted. It's it's very outside of our wheelhouse because usually everything's very loose and improvised, but this one, it is like each line does trigger the next one. So we have to be perfect. We, have, we always have to run it three times before every show. At yep. that point, uh, with it being loose, we, to save ourselves, we first when we first started doing it, 
we were reading it off paper and doing like, oh, what's this? Uh, oh, looks like we just got an ad. We've never seen this before. Sorry, everybody. Right. But then one day we realized, like, I think it would be better if we memorized it. Mm-hmm. I think we all know it already right. just because right. we've been reading it and seeing it in front of ourselves forever. And yeah, like it, we took like two more days of a uh, little right. memorization here and there, but we basically already knew it. Hell yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you ever seen Nick Ciarelli and Brad Evans do sketch? Yeah, they're just very like, oh, recently. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. They just they mostly do things that are framed in the 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 context of an ad and they just read it off their phone. <laughs> it's still very funny, yeah. but they always read off their phone. Yeah. They listen, their writing makes it work. Like I'm like not mad about it. Yeah. No, no. I, I think that that is where sort of like, I mean, those dudes are like writer writers. And I think that what gave us so much more freedom is that like the the our strengths are equally in the in my opinion equally in the writing field and the performing field and to then get rid of the scripts and have full freedom to like do whatever we want with our faces and our bodies and our eyes and like looking at the audience delivering lines to different people what what I've learned a lot from clown and watching like friends of ours like Zach Zucker and then we mentioned Tom Walker um Natalie Palomitas Courtney Peroso is like you can find your biggest fans in the audience and deliver some of your favorite lines to them. Right. And their energy like is like, it pulses out to the rest of the audience. And so like you like find your hot points Mm -hmm. uh, and getting off script for that bit just made it so much easier to find those hot points and like really like play the audience. Right. Yeah. Just playing the audience is something that we're so influenced by. That's a big part of like when we started, um, at least for me, like when we when we first met Zach Zucker and started right. seeing him perform, like I just the fact that like, oh, you can like respond to the audience. You don't have to just keep going with what you've planned and right. do what you've rehearsed, like yeah. and like acknowledging that the audience is there and also living and breathing and like watching the show. Is that uh, what you would say your clown influences is like be like responding to the audience? A big part of that is that, yeah, too. It's also like just the fact of uh, the concept of acknowledging the audience during those performances has, has at least for me, just kind of expanded out into just the concept of performing overall mm-hmm. to where it's like, yeah, if you're listening to them, you want to listen to them and adapt to them because they, they paid money and they're here to have a good time. And like mm-hmm. doing that, you can make it the best show possible. Right. Um, Cause I truly think there is like, there's a performing mentality, which is very much just like, which we used to honestly like we stole this from uh, Garfunkel and Oates but mm-hmm. uh, in shows we used to pat each other on the back and go like fuck these people fuck these people this is just for us fuck these people <laughs> um, but we've actually started doing the opposite which is like we love these people love these people love these people because um, instead of having the whole like this is for us like fuck you guys we're just going to do this right. it kind of is like no they came out to see the show like they probably yeah. were at work today they have to right. go to work tomorrow like they're here to have a good time let's let's yeah. do the best we can to put on a show that's 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 fascinating to hear because i feel like you know if we're to think of like the history of sketch i think like the state kids in the hall mr show we're all definitely like fuck everybody this is for us and I feel like there's a lot of humor that's, you know, if you follow lineage, you like are obviously influenced by that. But then you guys love the audience. 
I think because the vibe is that like, you know, with those guys, like they'd like seem like the cool kids. It's just like, oh my God, like look at them. They're so funny. They're like having a blast. Like that's awesome. Like you just want to like look at them. But then the moment when it's like, oh, hey, they're like letting me in and hanging out. Like that's where we like to open up to the audience and like just like make it go both ways rather than just like watching what's happening on stage. Right. I think it's kind of what the new iteration is. And I don't think that's exclusive to us at all. I think all types of sketch right now, Auntie Donna is like super built on that vibe of just like, yeah. come look at what we're doing. Right. It's very like what, like the mentality of where like the fuck these people, this is just for our kind of humor. What makes us laugh. Right. We're kind of more like, this is what makes us laugh. Right. Uh, do you guys let's let's everybody let's everybody laugh at it like let's get everybody in here and it's the same with stand-up too i feel like stand-up's in a similar trajectory that it's like feeling more like personal and welcoming rather than like you know yeah having good takes on stage no. right and i think i mean yeah there's interesting parallels in the development of like each of the disciplines where when you talk about playing the audience like you see people who do stand up who are just like stay on their set list and stay scripted. And it, you know, when a joke doesn't land and they don't acknowledge it, it's weird. Right. It's like, we're all part of the same show. Yeah. I think that we're sort of our like theater training and then the experiences we've had in the last few years, like meet is that before a few shows, especially before shows where we see an audience that we're not super familiar with, like maybe we don't see a lot of familiar faces. We talk about like, you know, how do we structure this show? So like we teach them our language, we teach them to love us, and then we can start going crazy because they're already on our side. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about this last night when we met up, actually, that we've been doing a lot of shows and like and uh, kind of like figuring out the figuring out our energy for like what we're cooking up right now. Right. And yeah, Corey, you brought up a great thing, which is just like, no, guys, we the bits are already insane. We need to be normal. (laughs) (laughs) We can't also be insane because then they're just going to get scared. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of like, oh, who are these fun guys like doing crazy stuff? It's just like, oh, they're loud and and scary and I want to (laughs) leave. And right. I've seen that happen before at shows, and it's not fun. At our show? No, no not, not your show. I think, I, in, general, in general, in general. Right. It's happened I, at our shows. I'm, it's, it's it it has happened at our shows, yeah. yeah. I mean, one part, like, where I think that Jeremy and I really get to, like, play with that is when we do the hammer monkey bit, and it is insane. But we had, like, such a big smile on our face the whole time, and, like, when Hammer Monkey, I won't say, you know, Hammer Monkey is a fourth party. Um, he wasn't able to make it to this interview today. Right. But uh, when Hammer Monkey is smashing shit on stage, it can be crazy. But then we yell at Hammer Monkey. But, and it can be like on paper, if you were to read like the script of what we're saying, it is very aggressive. But the whole time, anytime we get a reaction from these like very like, so we were like saying like, fuck you, fuck you to like this guy on stage. But then also at times saying fuck you to the audience. But every time we get a reaction, like just like big smile at how silly Uh this is. Like and having a complete like disconnect between what we're saying and what like we're like showing to the audience. Like that's like that little little peek behind the curtain. Right. Right. Um, right. So that's where a lot of the clown comes into where it's like showing them with our eyes and with our faces like we're playing a joke. This is pretend. Right. I mean, that's like especially that more heightened you get um, 
or like the if you take on this like ridiculous persona as a stand-up I mean like people will get on board if they know somehow especially non-verbally that you're kidding like I think about Anthony Jeselnik a lot and how like he plays essentially a heel as a stand-up but like his whole demeanor like you know this sort of like chest out leather jacket like I'm cooler than everybody we know he's kidding yeah yeah Yeah, There's a, I saw something on Twitter that basically said it's just like, yeah, when people don't get jokes, it's because they usually uh, can't assume that the person telling the joke is smart enough to be kidding. Right. Would love to continue more talk about the philosophy of your sketch going forward. But how about some comedy news first? Sounds good. Cool. Let's do it. As things legitimately reopen, you might want to, I don't know, go out. And if you go out, you might want to feel and look your best. And, you know, by proxy, take your health into your own hands. And that's why you might want to look into Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health and their life for good. They use a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on the Noom platform to help millions of folks meet their personal health goals. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique. Uh, Lord knows that not everyone can do two or three workouts a day. And what works for you isn't, you know, necessarily what's going to work for, you know, anybody else. And that's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, focuses on your progress and not trying to be perfect, uh, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program. More than 60% of users that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. So what's it? Uh, what's in comedy? News? What's in the news? <laughs> what's in the news? Great, great segue, guys. We're we're gonna jump around here uh, a little bit. Uh, first off, we're gonna start by um, with Netflix's latest announcement. You know, I feel like they're still trying to pick up the pieces from the millions and millions of subscribers they lost recently. Uh, they just announced that they are going to roast future NFL Hall of Famer Tom Brady, who won't retire. Um, despite everyone, <laughs> I watched a video on his TikTok the other day. It came to my for you page, and mm-hmm. it's like him to the camera, and he's like, "I can't wait. Today is the day I've been waiting to do this for so long, and I haven't done this in ten years." And it's just him riding a bike. <laughs> like, <laughs> he he rented a. Uh, a city bike it must have been in new york i guess uh and it's just him like 
riding on a city bike, like taking a video, and it's like like front facing camera, mm-hmm. just Tom Brady like <laughs> <laughs> like having the time of his life riding a bike. And I, wow. I like generally view that guy as like kind of robotic and weird, but I was like, it was quite humanizing. I don't know if somebody was just like you got to be relatable. You got to do some relatable stuff. And he's like, sure. Well, right bikes. Or is that some celebrity shit where he just hasn't been able to go outside into the real world for the past 15 years? And he's like, oh, right. I rode one of these when I was a child. Right. Ah, bike. Before I picked up the football and never put it down. That makes me that makes me think that like perhaps Tom Brady has been so locked into playing football that he is trying to like live a life where he doesn't see everybody as if they're on the football field and he has to like read coverage oh bike right that thing right. yes he has, to, he has to like readjust <laughs> yeah. yeah his his wife has uh flashcards to remind him what well i just learned are. that i just learned that his wife is a full-on witch and does oh, ceremonies a witch now yeah she does ceremonies before every game to make uh-huh. sure that he goes the distance he talked about it in an interview where he was getting uh, massaged on camera uh-huh. and this roast is gonna be awesome yeah is giselle gonna be part of it i, I hope she Belichick, him. huh i hope Bill she roasts him. definitely should be part of it <laughs> yeah have they announced who's gonna be on the roasting panel no they haven't they said that it is going to be part of a series called greatest roast of all time which i don't know may, may suggest this most it might be athletes uh but um they haven't released any other details as to when it's going to happen what the panel is going to be but if i had to take a wild guess it would be probably similar to the comedy central celebrity roast uh mm-hmm. where they're um i want to Oh no! I totally cut you off. That was very rude of me. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, there, there's like two or three actual friends, and then it's a bunch of comedians that don't know this person. They just like write roast jokes, mm-hmm. and then uh, I always find it interesting that like back in the days of D Martin, it was only people that were close to the actual guest of honor, and, and that's who made up the dais. And they always said some nice parting, like, "Oh, I just said basically, I just said all this terrible, terrible things about this person." but I really love them. They were like there for me when I was like really down and out. But nowadays at the, like the celebrity roast, uh, the end is always like, thanks for being a good sport. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I know I just ripped you apart on live television. Uh, thanks for sitting there and taking it. Yeah, that's it. This has been great for my career. I'm Who, an up and coming Tom Brady, Does Tom Brady have like a squad? Does he have like a classic group of friends that he rolls with? I mean, you'd think it'd be Gronkowski, but probably not. Actually, oh. I know not because Rob got his own comedy special where he did a very upsetting 15 minutes of stand-up and then had like five other comedians on it as a showcase. Yeah, Hunters, I wish you guys could see Gronk did stand-up. Yeah, it was so, so, so bad. And it, he clearly didn't write it and it was still bad. God. Oh, see, yeah. There are- there are plenty of athletes who are like pretty funny, like uh, that dude that like hosts that like the Daily Show, or not right. the Daily Show, but like that that like morning talk show, <laughs> Michael Strahan, oh, like yeah, super funny and like charming. I Michael feel Strahan, like, a big influence on Business Casual, <laughs> super influential. Uh, but Gronk, 
also something I don't want to let pass. Greatest roasts of all time is gross. Yes. You catch the new groat? Yeah. Did you catch the new groat? They really roasted Tom Brady. I just like don't know what there is even to say. Like they're gonna be like, you have a weird diet, you won't retire, you're very good at football. Well, he kisses his son. Oh, on the mouth. You've seen the video, right? Of him long kissing his son. <laughs> yeah. But like how much mileage do you even get out of that? Yeah, like, you get like, like you get one out of that one. They did a whole like. James Franco roast that was just like you're gay and he's not. So like. <laughs> actually, yeah, he's like I, gotten yeah. for explicitly not being gay. Right. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's just like he could have been roasted on the fact that he's a predator, but <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. No roast. Crazy. I think we wouldn't have in that kind of thing. What was that? I think Peyton Manning's going to be on. I don't know why I'm just like, like, oh, it's exciting. Like, I think this is. Oh, top. yeah. Uh, the Jonas Brothers. We all watched that. We decided Peyton Manning. We all decided. We all decided Peyton Manning was funny. He'll probably be on there. Yeah, I know. He, he had a, he had, stuff he had on SNL. Like, he did that stuff. thing recently. But his old, like, United Way sketch where he was, like, throwing footballs at those kids. That is a pretty good sketch. Yeah. It's pretty great. But I don't hey. think it's. This is. It's just another Netflix weird thing. I don't think it's going to do anything. See, said, this just, feels like Netflix, like for real, like uh, versus Comedy Central being like Char- the roast of Charlie Sheen and like the roast of like controversial figures. Right, right, Netflix right. is like, let's roast um, this nice guy no one was really thinking about. They did the Jonas Brothers. It was not good. Like, oh, was- right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's I roast another roast like- that was just homophobic at its core <laughs> like yeah. it's like you know these guys are three brothers and their voices are high so yeah that's true so it's, they've clearly all entered each other yeah to your guys's point yeah it's crazy to me that they roast people that are either nice or that like people just like genuinely hate and they're like right. oh we're just giving you an excuse to like say mean things about them um rather than like it is wild to me that in all the years of Comedy Central being a network, they never really got a roast of Jon Stewart. That just yeah. seems like it would make sense. No, you could get plenty of people that would be really fun yeah. to like roast him, like actual friends of his, and then like turns other out- late night hosts. Like I'm sure, like yeah. Turns out he's real fragile. He it got pitched to him, millions of dollars offered. He said, "No, I'm not going to let those goons destroy me on TV. I'm not going to let them take down the Stewart yeah. image." Yeah, I yeah, I'm not. I'm going to step away as Trump gets elected. I'm going to go take care of farm animals and then fight for uh, health benefits for um, first responders. That's what I'm yep. going to do. What do I really like? As like far as like career goals, like. Most of the things that I think about is like retiring. I just want a good enough career that I can have like an interesting retirement where it's like, oh, wow, he he's running a farm. Mm-hmm. Like that's weird, I guess. I guess I could just do that instead of trying to be a comedian. I could just you, be you make, a m- make money off of it too. You don't even have to retire. Yeah. You once, Corey, I remember once you were like, I really want to go on like a like road trip across the country, just like me and my car. But like, I can't think of any like idea to spin that into for like a book or for comedy. And I was like, hey man, just you can go. go. <laughs> like you don't have- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, when we were all like 19 or 20, just it really yeah. in a way, you were like, oh yeah. yeah. And then I just didn't do it. Um, 
But... <laughs> well, cause what would be the point? It would, you would have What's nothing the to point? Yeah. Well, I will tell you, content to be my I did have a guess, uh, last year, Jessica Watkins, who like, she tried to walk across America and like tape sets that she was doing. And that was all going to coalesce into a special. And what ended up happening was way weirder. And she just made a documentary, very meta in a way, about how she was trying to do this. And then it didn't pan out the way that she wanted. And um, she had to stop several times. And then she like, I mean, it's it's kind of an exploration of the artistic process more than like a comedy special. But she still got something out of it. Yeah, that's my lesson. You're still getting something out of it. That is a great lesson. If you can't, if the movie you're making fails, make a movie about how you failed to make a movie. (laughs) It's very inspiring. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's put that on a shirt. Okay. uh, Next story. I'm curious about. So, uh, uh, Con, the Con Film Festival is happening right now. And, you know, uh, the heroic former comedian, now president and war hero, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky in uh, Ukraine, is now getting, I think, a perfunctory uh, like video chat at most awards shows now, which I feel is absurd on its own. Like, you're at war. You're, you're like, appearing on a video chat and an award yeah. show. Um, yeah, so he... Hello, Jessica Alba. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the PA that has to talk to him on Zoom before he goes on uh, before he goes on live? Hi, Mr. Zelensky. Hi. So, so we're gonna talk about this, and then we're gonna talk about uh, your country being at war, and then uh, we're gonna plug anything you have. Yeah, make sure you just uh, spell it out in the chat so we can put it up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Zelensky, uh, do you have any plugs? Lock the gates. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so amongst a bunch of other things uh, that he said in his video call, saying that he was going to win the war against Russia, he said that we need a new Charlie Chapl- uh, Chaplin who will prove that in our time, cinema, cinema is not silent. Um, you know, that's I feel us. like, oh, go on. Sorry. Uh, that's us. Is what I said. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be us. Business casual is the new Charlie Chaplin. I'm yeah. confused. Is he saying that he needs a silent film star mm-hmm. to I to in a in a in an ironic twist prove that uh, through silent film we can once again achieve peace or just like the equivalent to now in talking film? Right. I feel I'm confused. Like, even though he's a comedian, it's like I feel like he's winding to say George Carlin, but he didn't. That's funny. <laughs> Like, no, I get more applicable reference. Like, I totally get what he's trying to say. It feels very like, did you, you just picked a, a guy? <laughs> he did that one speech in The Dictator is yeah. kind of the big thing, right? And so he's yeah, like, the- everybody should do that. That's it. But it's like, that's, I mean, listen, a great part of Charlie Chaplin's career, but he also like fell into pies and like jumped off a bus or whatever. Like, it's just, it's a funny example. Like, yeah. Especially yeah. Chaplin, that guy who fell uh, fell into pies and jumped into a bus or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't the the majority of his body of work uh, satirizing Hitler. It was like a that was like a portion of it, you know. I wonder just what Zelensky has actually seen. Like, yeah. what movies has he actually seen? That's like today, because there's you know, he should link his letterbox. 
What's that? He should link his letterbox. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I don't, I'm not, <laughs> that's modern warfare. You just like, you know, when you're done with the commanding the battle remotely today, you're just going to go on letterbox and <laughs> rate the movies you just seen. Yeah, I'm trying give to see what, how many, movies. Yeah, how many stars, stars did he give good time? That's what I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. Really Probably quick. like four out of what five? Do they do five on? I don't know how. I don't know how Letterbox works. I don't have it. I've just. Been, I just know it's. I know it's popular these days. So I thought I'd. I thought I'd shout it out. You nailed it, dude. Ultimately, Thanks, I think that. Uh, I think that our ultimate goal is political power as a as a trio. You put political power as a trio to what end? What's your agenda? Oh, the sort long of like game. a triumvirate. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah true. we're really trying to ultimately ascend to a father son and holy spirit type triptych mm-hmm. um is this like you segueing into the idea that you're gonna um run for the primary for mayor in la the election's <laughs> that's true oh well we can't <laughs> say anything yet we get to, we're announcing it on the 6th uh, <laughs> the day before <laughs> all three of you as like a three-headed triumvirate is one mayor yeah, yeah and we actually all we all split one mayor's paycheck between the three of us right I and think, guess yeah, what like, guys that would still be funnier than the recently canceled mr mayor oh, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, look, i think we, yeah oh no seek, we just seek power is ultimately our goal funny or not funny we we would like to be in control of a local municipality. Yeah, right. Yeah. Any, any local municipality, or do you got something specific in mind? Oh, I'm trying to sweep Garcetti's legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we really want to leave him in the, in the dust, dust, in the dirt. He's, in a, the he's, dirt. A, he, he's a tall guy, right? I feel like his legs is a good good nah. move. Nice to, I guess I've met like him. I'm taller than him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Corey, okay. you're five, you're like Corey's like six three. I guess Garcetti's like five eleven, five ten. Oh, all right. He's so he's like so he's bad. like Napoleonically tall. Oh, uh, okay. Napoleon, Napoleon wasn't tall. actually short, so I uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, you'll that's just edit. Fresh. Yeah, I this will out edit later, right? none, none of this out. Yeah. But thank you. I was gonna <laughs> ask this out. You'll edit me to. You'll edit me. You'll edit me to be funny later, right? Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, and by that mean, uh, I won't do anything. Is this how your writing sessions go? Uh, usually, well, we're chatting. I hope this doesn't date it, but we're chatting at one. Uh, now it's 2 p.m. on an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Normally, we're writing in the evenings and we have beer. Um, so that's uh, other than that. Uh, uh, this is it, how you, yeah, goes. yeah. People have asked us a lot and I, I can see like frustration and or disappointment on their faces when I go like, it's just us hanging out, really. Yeah. Because it feels so shitty to say that, but I feel like it's actually more of a testament to how lucky we are that we found the three of us and just how well we naturally work together. Right, right. Because uh, it does come from the best bits that we come up with mm-hmm. it have been like, we forget that we're writing and we're right. just having a time. And then we realize like, hey, wait, write that, write that one down. That's don't, good. Don't, don't downplay that. Um, 
uh, oh God, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg actually would schedule time to day train. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in his day like that would be part of his like agenda for a day to daydream and that's how he like that was part of his process oh well the biggest that's that's kind of what we do really right. unless yeah i because the biggest um thing that i uh we've learned about how we write well together i think is that we have to be together because we've tried it in the past to be like all right let's come up with some ideas or bring it in or like let's meet on zoom and it's just like it does not work we never have like we've done that and in all those writing sessions where we're like working separately and then coming together or just like right. on zoom not in the same room right. we never use anything because it right. feels contrived it feels forced but when it's the three we've just learned like we can't even try to work mm -hmm. on stuff unless the three of us can meet up to work together right speaking of which jeremy has left the building the virtual Jer building. we don't yeah we have to address the elephant that has left the room um, that's right jeremy's huge these days <laughs> he's, he's so big he's so uh, got big guys but not like fat can, like like a like a like a big ray yeah when they say he's, big in japan yeah right yeah exactly he's at work he had to go he had to go back to writing um, remember that when that was a joke we were like oh i'm big in japan just right being, because just that relative to the size of the people of japan yeah. <laughs> well that <laughs> Well, because also it used to be that like movie stars, it was like gauche to do commercials mm -hmm. over here. So they would all go to commercials in Japan. But now it's just like everybody does commercials for everything. So it does, okay. you can be big everywhere. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You could be Matt Damon and you do a ad for crypto.com and it'll seem insane. To trick but the working class. Yeah. And your career will be fine. Right. God. I don't know. I, I mean, let, look, he's bulletproof. He's yeah. absolutely bulletproof. Yeah. Did you guys um, see Elysium? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. They throw back to Elysium. Fucking, uh, that's like a 15-year-old movie now. Oh, my God. I did see Elysium. because 15 I've years old. Yeah. I think, or maybe. I don't know. Or I've 185. Seen, yeah. 15, yeah. 7. What's the difference in years? I've watched everything that Neil Blomkamp has made because of district nine and it's yeah. never lived up to district nine no it has not yeah truly talk about not being able to live up to yourself oh my god i sometimes i wonder about that as a creative like like progression and growth is like so like district nine was made out of like i mean he kind of drew from everything every resource that he had he had like it was very scrappily made right and then it was like this brilliant game-changing thing and then a lot of the stuff that he's gotten after like being like, getting all these accolades and resources afforded to him has not lived up. And I sometimes I feel like that about like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like they had to they had to shoot multiple episodes at the same time in their first three seasons because they were they had such a small budget. And like there's if you go back in old episodes they you can see the cameras at the edge of the frame because they try to do like two cameras doing ots and they're like oh, yeah. we don't have time or money for more takes just like it's whatever who gives oh shit? yeah oh yeah i've been i just did a full rewatch and i've been listening to their um been listening to their podcast right you should, you should have those guys on <laughs> oh those guys <laughs> rob glenn and charlie no, yeah but i've been listening to those guys and them to, the, the stories of them being like all right when danny devito first agreed he was like you only have me for two weeks so we filmed every scene of his from the season first and then yeah. he left 
and then he liked the show and so he came back and did more yeah uh, or just like yeah we only had one bedroom so uh every day it was made up to look like a different person's room right right and shit like that and then but now and then i think we, i know what you were gonna say like now that you have the money and the power to just be like yeah sure do whatever you want yeah. like there's a little bit of that creative energy that isn't there right because uh david lynch talks about that a lot where he's just like you should not have a budget like try to do everything as cheaply as possible because you will have that's where creativity comes out right because if you have the money like, to do it the right way i i think that like yeah, it, I, would, I would i would love to get to this point in my career where this happens but so uh where, where this isn't the problem but so far like we've always been in the position where we just have ideas that we're going to try to get made right with whatever we have right. but then you make it to a point in your career where now they just want a finished product and so you have to start coming up with stuff with the intent of like filling their expectations yeah. right now it's just like okay i like when we were making that cowboy show we were like we got to make this cowboy show um we have this idea like we're attracted to the idea of cowboys and then when everything shut down, we pivoted and turned it into like a 15 minute digital pilot. Like, it, it, because it just, the idea necessitated being made. Mm -hmm. But now if you flip it and you're like, okay, this money needs an idea. Like I could imagine that it becomes way worse. Uh, and yeah. I, I can't wait to be a sellout. I honestly yeah. would love oh, to yeah. uh, have that happen. Yeah, I guess money money is not the most creative creative collaborator right is what you could chalk that up to i mean i as much as i enjoyed the first lego movie i feel like it is the reason that we have seen a lot of brands try to do the same thing uh, namely battleship or it's not yahtzee but there was another board game that they tried to make <laughs> i think it might have been uno there's like something that's there's an uno movie in development yeah 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 absolutely no and that's totally that is totally as much as I love uh, Phil, Lord and Chris Miller, it is their fault. Oh yeah. 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 100%. I mean, it's like, oh my God, if we could talk about the current state of movies forever, man. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just those expectations where instead of, it's like on Twitter when I see uh, people saying like, who asked for this anyway? This thing's so weird. I'm like, well, you shouldn't, we shouldn't have movies based on specifically what people are asking for. Um, Cause like what you're talking about with like the, what everyone is trying to copy with like, say, yeah, like the humor and the irreverence in like the Lego movie, mm -hmm. it's making a thing where it's like, how do we make the most palatable movie for everyone right. versus like, how do we make a cool story that people who like this story will enjoy? Right. Absolutely. Like when you're making a horror film, you don't worry about, um, like the folks who are looking for like romantic drama, like what they would feel. You would just tell them to go watch a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's like, and to comedy's extent, that's like, I, I feel like I have to keep making this point to USA Today. Uh, they'll like interview me about like these op-eds about how the state of comedy. And um, it's like, especially when you're going to see it live as related to altercations happening or people being disappointed or getting mad or talking during the show, you can always leave. You can always leave. You don't have to go to this. You can watch other comedy. There's so much comedy. There is, 
the perfect comedian for everybody or sketch group or improv group or whatever it is it, it's out there in fact it, i mean there's such a wide expanse of things in comedy you can have your particular flavor of comedy true crime podcast like every background of every sort of person has done their version of like you can have them when they're drunk you could have it as like you know three dudes that sound like they're morning zoo crew but they're not you could have it with karen kilgariff and georgia hardstark i mean like and there's millions and millions of other ones oh yeah 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 i feel like to that it's uh that just makes me think about how I've noticed where if you're not, at least in Los Angeles, uh, if you're not doing comedy, right. it can be a, a still like a very like alien sort of term. Right. right. Uh, like I know a lot. I like I have seen a lot more people get familiar with the term clowning or like mm -hmm. that there is something called clowning happening in Los Angeles. That isn't a birthday party thing. Right. That <laughs> isn't like red shoes, balloons and seltzer. Mm. Yeah. Seltzer. Uh, I think that uh, it's people who see like a comedy show and they don't like it go like oh i don't like comedy mm -hmm. for without knowing like no that was a sketch show making fun of like a show that happens at that theater once a week because because uh, it was like an inside joke or whatever right um instead of knowing like no you should go to this exact same theater on a different night and it's a completely right. different tone of uh people see, in my opinion i'm just like good for them if they hate it like good like i've i have i have shoveled thousands of dollars and hours of my time and it is so i marvel at somebody who walks up sees it and goes like not for me and then just never goes to a comedy show ever again <laughs> i like i'm like good like good i don't know <laughs> there's a part yeah. of me that's like I'm glad that somebody is free. Uh, <laughs> I love doing this so much. Um, but it, it, I don't know. It would just be like, there's people out there who just like, I don't really like music. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So much I've, music. They're like, nah, don't really like it. Um, and I, I, like, I don't really like movies. And I think that that's like I just think that that's awesome that 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 you can just fully reject something that's so important to like my identity. Right. It's so humbling. Not for even somebody like to identity, like, ah. but just like human culture. Right. <laughs> and just like you can't go outside without hearing music somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So this, and to just, just go figure, not for me. This person is like they only heard the Happy Birthday song and they like watched Iron Man three. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> new ticket movies ain't for me, really. Yeah, are you telling me that that Obadiah Stain guy is in every movie? <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, music and movies are, are really repetitive and uh, racist for laughs. So I think that uh, they're not for me. Yeah, it's crazy. My sister is the sort of person I like. I through a random set of circumstances, I used to like host an open mic, and then she had to like go to it um like I, she's I, required as your sister yeah no i was like wa watching over her and she was like really i think she was like in junior high at the point at that point or whatever oh, okay. and like i she had to come with me because my parents were away and she just like was subjected for to open my comedy for like like two weeks in a row and i'm and then she's like i hate comedy i'm like that's not fair it's not what this is it's like, not yeah. you, hate, you hate doing comedy 
Yeah. <laughs> like I've been taking you to open mics. That's not the same thing. This, Were they like four hour mics? Yeah. 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 That's what that is. I always tell people that open mics are the day job part of stand-up. It's not like fun. It's not like like you don't sometimes you do, but most of the time you don't leave feeling like good, you know? No. I uh I started uh when I was 17, I grew up in San Diego. So did Corey, but we didn't know each other then. Uh I started doing stand-up downtown in San Diego, and there was a uh every time there would be like a couple who came specifically to watch the open mic and i would see them just never having a good time right not the same couple but it would be just like no you guys got to get out of here like save yourselves like this is not a show to watch this is like Mm -hmm. this is in the same way that like you would go to see like the water world um show at universal studios you don't go to the gym to see a guy like do his first day of gymnastics class right <laughs> it's not yeah. the it's, same thing it's almost exactly like that uh yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that like I, there's something beautiful about those like people who just started doing comedy and then they invite all their friends to an open mic and they're like these like popular young sweet people who get like everybody that works in their office or like at their restaurant job like all of the other hosts and they're just like come see me do comedy and then their whole five minutes they go like i'm doing comedy for the first time jason stop jason stop and it's like (laughs) i have to tell my jokes come on okay so my my coworkers who are here said that i had to tell my jokes because they said it was so funny jason stop (laughs) uh (laughs) it's like uh truly right also writing that down (laughs) just to be like okay here i am open mic comedian who has brought 12 friends like it's just that that to me too like could be so construed as like really annoying but it's just such like a a perfect like (laughs) like it's like so just fully lacking the any understanding of what an open mic actually is absolutely um and it's great i run into those people from time to time and i always tell them like okay You've been running what five minutes for what two years trying to like waiting to perfect it. Throw it away, throw, throw whatever you wrote away and go up tonight or tomorrow and just like talk about your day or something that's really pissing you off because it's gonna go bad. And or like that's your expectation. That's what it should be your expectation. And like it's just a matter of getting on stage and doing it because like if you really are wanting to do this, um, you gotta do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all, yeah, like, oh, I got to be so precious about these five minutes that have never been spoken to another human being ever. Yeah. Oh, then, yeah, you also look at that person's phone and you see it's just like a monologue that they've memorized, like word for word, beat for beat and everything. It's like, yeah, yeah you got to let it you got to explore up there. You got to let it live and breathe. Right. And there is something to be, I've seen people who have been goaded onto stage for their first set or like maybe they thought about they like a friend dragged them to the mic and they were like, I don't know, maybe I'll think about it. And like part of that is because they just like went through a breakup and that's what they like talk about as soon as they start their set. And it's like, it's really raw or whatever, but they're connected to the audience. Yeah. Like people, yeah. Hear those people on. Seth Rogen tells a story about that when he was 14 and he started doing stand up. He started with jokes of like, Hey, yeah. So, Oh, my ex-wife is so mean to me. And like, and he would bomb. And then he started telling stories of like, I'm trying to have my first kiss. Uh, it's hard. I haven't had it yet. And then it would uh, crush. 
because it's, a, it's what a 14 year old is actually thinking and doing sure, with his right. day. Truly, there was this is, must have been seven or eight years ago. There were these two kids who are now, I think, graduated from college, but when they started, they were in high school and they hosted their own open mic in like Eagle Rock. And they brought some of their high school friends, and one of them started their set with by saying, like, so I was in homeroom, and I like <laughs> burst out laughing so hard. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Homeroom? Well, I was in homeroom the other day. <laughs> You're saying that into a microphone in front of people. <laughs> he was that's so earnest about it, and it's like, oh man, you have not lived life. No, but that's where it and then that's funny. Yeah. It's because it's the truth yeah. is just like the truth then becomes like, look at this child on stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not trying to be anything else. So no, no, he's yeah. Not. He's not. Uh, I was in a homeroom earlier. <laughs> I want to mention this one last news story really, really quick. Um, the AMC dark uh, sort of satiric take on um, multicam sitcoms. Kevin can F himself is casting Aaron Hayes, uh, who was famously killed in uh, the series that maybe it was inspired by, uh, Kevin Can Wait. Um, she was replaced after being written out of the script and then killed in the show by Leah Remini. And then, uh, yeah, Kevin got to switch uh, women that he doesn't deserve. And that I feel like there's something kind of beautiful about the fact that they like the show, Kevin Kniff himself on AMC is all exploring like how limited in scope uh, those multicam sitcoms are when it comes to the actual humanity of the characters that they portray and that they're actually having somebody who that sort of show did wrong. And uh, there's no details as to what her role will be, but I, I think it is interesting, especially because Kevin's both in the name. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that like I, I grew up not really watching them myself, but being in the room while they were on. Uh, my mom has been watching Days of Our Lives for 50 years. Like wow. sh she watched that show with her mom and people die and come back all the time. And like they with no logic to it, except like, no, actually, we kind of want this person back for the storyline. So uh, they weren't dead. They were they were alive on an island and like just like I, I I think that it's rad to just be like no fuck it we're gonna this person was killed off actually they have a show now <laughs> oh, I would I would love to be killed off and yeah. also to play someone who's killed off mm -hmm. um I would yeah no that just seems so fun to be like and so at the end of this season you're gonna die so like yeah. get ready like get ready for that I just think that's interesting to think about like from an you want to be Sean Bean Hunter. Yeah, I want to be Sean Bean. I want to be Shane in The Walking Dead. Uh, I'm trying to get shot by the guy I was cucking, basically. Um, no, but that obviously, like, because there's the stories of, like, I mean, like, literally, it's, like, made fun of on Friends where, like, he pisses someone off and so they kill his character off. Uh, I, I don't want to be killed off that way. I hope to, I hope to always be amicable in my place of work, but um, I think being killed off as a character is always, a, that's a fun thing to have to deal with. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, uh, our time is going to it's time get to kill us off right now. Yeah. We're going to get killed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being on the Comedy Bureau Field Report, guys. Uh, where can people find you online? Anything you'd like to promote? 
Uh, we're on Instagram, uh, business casual comedy at business casual comedy. We're on Twitter as at biz B I Z underscore, uh, uh, cash underscore comedy. And, um, individually I'm at captain Sadbeard, Jeremy, who's left is Jeremy elder with two R's on every platform. And I'm ideal stepdad, all one word. Hell, um, yeah. We got shows yeah. in Los Angeles all throughout the summer, and then we're going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for all of August in Scotland. So Hell tell yeah. your friends, come to Fringe. Yeah, go spend all that money you have and go to Edinburgh for a whole month. Yeah, spend all your money and then give us like uh, 12 pounds of it to come to our show. But we post yeah. about all of our shows on our business casual Instagram and have like a link tree with all of our upcoming stuff. So uh, we'll be excited to do that and excited to do the Comedy Bureau show when it gets to come back. And yeah, capital. July 20th. I love it. Thanks for yeah. having us, Jake. This yeah, was super absolutely. fun, man. Yeah. Uh, the Comedy Bureau is created by me, Jake Kroger. You can find it at the Comedy Bureau across socials. Uh, I'm at not the supermarket on Instagram. I'm at Jake Kroger on Twitter. So many great causes to support at this time. I don't know. Your brand would be good. If you have money and generosity left after that, please support the Comedy And that's the Zoom time limit cutting out. Um, because I don't want to get a pro account. Um, so here's the rest of the outro. Please support the Comedy Bureau because I have been running it for 11 years and would like to keep doing it forever. Please help it be sustainable. And, uh, the Business Casual Boys would like to part by saying the greatest gift they could ever ask for is doing comedy with their best friends. And as I always like to say, comedy is still happening and you should very much go support it. As the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Our work by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.